0: well welcome sisterhood those online and as well as those that are here my name is linda beth just said that i actually we about seven years ago planted for those that are new and don't know who i am uh, helped plant the woodbury campus way back when we were deacons there and then up about july of last year god called us to another season of our life. And we transplanted to the west side of the cities. And so we live in Chaska now. We actually attend the Shakopee campus and loving life in this new season, but definitely making that adjustment. And so uh, we are gonna dive in. How many of you guys have loved the semester so far? So far? I love it. I am a huge believer in sisterhood. I've attended. I'm a table leader at Shakopee right now. Uh, But we're going to talk about our determined purpose. We've looked at all of the attributes that Jesus gives to us about how we decide what is our purpose, what is our determined purpose. And this is no exception. Jesus talks about how he is a selfless servant, The Bible says that if we call unto God, he will answer us and show us great and mighty things. One could only imagine his mystery and the secrets of life. I wish, wish, wish I could sit down with Jesus and just say, just give me a little glimpse of what my future looks like. Little glimpse of who my kids will marry and what my grandbabies will be like and and. You know, everything in me wants that, but God says, I will give it to you in due time. And the longer we get to know who God is, the more likely we're able to understand the secret mystery of this death before life that doesn't make any sense, I know. But Jesus isn't talking necessarily about a death on a cross. He's talking about something different. And the first verse is John 12, 24. It says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried and it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over, in the same way anyone who holds on to their life Just as it is, destroys it. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. Now, what in the world is Jesus trying to tell us? It's an analogy that he used in John, and it says, "...these grain of wheat must die and be buried in order to produce a harvest." And likewise, Jesus had to die on a cross for all the nations to have life, eternal life. This again, this death before life doesn't make sense, but it does when you follow Jesus. He's saying we must sacrifice our mind, our body, our soul, our emotions, our feelings before we can be fruitful for him. And I love John 12, 26. If any of you want to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves. So let's look at Jesus' life. First, let's look at his mission. Why did God send Jesus to the earth? John 10, 10 says, I have come that they may have life. And they may have it more abundantly. In John 5.30 it says, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So two parts. Two part mission. He came to give us life. And he came to do the will of his Father. Which was to give us life. So what does will mean? It's something that one wishes or has determined shall be done. It's a choice, it's an inclination, it's a desire. We can see that Jesus didn't come to do what he wished, right? Or to do what he chose to do. He wanted to provide us with a life of abundancy. We weren't meant to stay content. He made it his aim to do the will of God. So that was his mission. Now when he came to earth what was his experience his experience was this selfless earth experience now keep in mind if you guys know anything maybe i need to do a little lesson here there's god the father god the son and god the holy spirit god the son is jesus god the holy spirit three in one we've always if you've ever grown up in church it was all together separate but all together right But when Jesus decided or God decided to send Jesus, he became fully human. Okay? In Psalms 2-7, it says, He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. The phrase made himself no reputation could be expressed like this. He emptied himself of his privileges. The one person, if I say he could have been the greatest Karen ever, okay? He had every right to be a Karen, okay? He had the entitlement. He had everything. He was God. He was part of the Trinity. But it says, the New Living Translation says, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave. The message says it this way He set aside the privileges of deity and became a slave. Jesus set aside his deity and his privileges, he lived his life then experiencing the same things we experience so if you think jesus is this far person that never experienced anything that we experience that's wrong he had feelings he had emotions he had everything he was tested he was tempted it says in hebrews four fifteen: for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are Yet this was the key. He had no sin. We read that we do have a high priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses. But one of the things that he had to learn was to humble himself to follow the will of his father. And I want to show you something. Over the last few months, I've been studying this scripture and I actually taught this. Uh, My husband works for a university And I was speaking to the the students in a chapel, and I was talking about how you have to be a good follower in order to be a great leader. And I think that something of that humility of being a follower has been lost. And I love this. If you know, in Mark 14, it says this. Jesus was right before the crucifixion, and he talks to a couple of his disciples and say, hey, come with me. We're going to go over and we're going to pray. And he starts to walk and he says, okay, I'm going to go a little further. You guys stay here and pray. And you know what happened. They all fell asleep, but that's another story. He went for it further and it says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. And he cried, Abba, Father, which is very similar to calling Daddy. It was an intimate relationship. And he said, everything is possible for you take this cup from me and i love this yet not what i will but what you will christ asked for god to change the method he didn't ask him to change the mission he knew what the mission was was to give life and to follow the will of his father It wasn't a prayer of doubt because he knew God could grant it. He knew. He was determined. He knew if this was it, God could grant it. He said, please take this cup. And the cup signified a suffering. He was in agony. This was right before the crucifixion. He had seen someone be crucified, several people be crucified. He knew what the pain was coming, and he knew that he was going to have to endure that. Nevertheless, he aligned himself with the will of his Father. I love what the commentary, the Bible Knowledge Commentary says. It says, in bearing God's judgment, the sinless Jesus endured the agony of being made sin. He had the weight of sin taken from you and I and put on him. He had never experienced sin ever He didn't deserve this, but he did nothing to stop it. He said, not my will, but yours. And that brings us back. While the Father and the Son are one, we can infer now that he had a will. He had a separate will because he asked for that will to be changed. He asked God to change it, change the method Based on his desire to let the cup pass, you can see that it wasn't automatic for Jesus. It wasn't automatic. He knew what the pain was coming. It wasn't an automatic will. Our will is not automatically going to be God's will. We're human. But the great thing is, is that Jesus learned and he lived and he can sympathize with what you're going through. He learned to humble himself to the plans of the Father. But a key to this, and this is where I want to land the majority of tonight and today. He learned how to be interrupted. He was willing to be interrupted. And I want to challenge every single woman online and in this room. Have you ever thought how many times Jesus was interrupted. He would be engaged in a group, and he would be preaching and teaching, and he was in his element, and then some guy would come from the ceiling. Sometimes there was someone grabbing at his garment. There were other times where the children wanted to come, and they said no, and he said yes. He wanted to be interrupted because that was part of his mission. He wanted people to know who he was and the hope that he brought. The one thing I love, though, is I never saw in Scripture where he was upset, he was angry, he was offended. Never in Scripture He submitted to God's plan and he required Jesus, and that required Jesus to be all right with the interruptions. One of the stories I love sharing, and it was dear to my heart because it's one of those things that God puts in your place. And a man, his name was Harry, and I teach, for those that have known, I teach fitness classes. And it was in one of my what I call silver sneaker classes. And a a wife came in, and she would come in, sit in the front row, big smile on her face every single time I taught, three times a week, this class. And her husband would never come in. And he would walk the track. And one day, I came after class, and they interrupted my busyness of trying to get to another class. And we began to have a friendship. And that lasted for about two and a half, three years. And then one week, I said, Where's Harry? And she said, Can I talk? And I said, Yeah. And he goes, He's dealt with cancer, six different bouts of cancer. And he just can't fight it anymore. And in that moment, my life began to be interrupted because I said, Can I come to your house? God said, go to him, give him a big hug, give him a smile. And when I took one of my girls with me and we went to his house and we got to sit next to him and God, in my, in my gut, when God starts to talk to you, you better listen. He said, I want you to pray for him. And I'm like, I don't know his faith. I just know I was just friendly, I was kind. We became really good friends. We really didn't talk about faith. I tried to, only when they asked me, And he's like, I need you to pray for him. So I asked. I said, Harry, can I pray for you? And they said, he said, yeah. So I prayed. I don't even remember what I prayed, but I do remember this. I said, Harry, there's a God that loves you and cares about you and wants a relationship with you. And I gave him a big hug and I said, I'll see you next week. And two days later, he passed away. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he is in heaven, but I know that I was obedient and that I was willing to be interrupted, to step outside of my comfort zone, to go to a place to a man who was, I don't know if he had a relationship or not, but that is what God is calling us to do. Now let's look at the Bible and what Jesus did. In John 8, 1 through 12, It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that she should be stoned. But what do you say? They said this to test him. And Jesus, in all of his humanness, in all of his deity, he gets down and he starts to write something on the ground. We don't know what he wrote. And they kept asking and asking and they were getting furious. And they, he finally rose and he said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first and again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And one by one from the oldest to the youngest they left and Jesus was alone with this woman and when Jesus raised himself up and saw that it was just him and the woman he said to her woman where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she looked around and she said no one Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I love that he doesn't end it there because he starts to speak with an authority and a boldness like none other. It says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall walk; shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. There is his mission. He followed his mission is to bring life, not condemnation, not back, not stoning one. He came to bring life. This was a divine interruption. God could have said, can you come back later? I'm in my ministry right now. I'm talking. I'm preaching. I'm doing the will of God. He could have said, let me just wait. But he didn't. He allowed the interruption to enhance his teaching. And as I was studying this, it God put something on my heart. Some of you guys, some of you are in a position where you are the best. Mom, doctor, lawyer, nurse, businesswoman. You are really good at what you do. You are really good at what you do. But I want you to, I want you just to open up your mind to be able to pivot when God interrupts you. I believe when God, Jesus was down and he was touching and he was drawing something in the sand, for him it was a reset. For him it was like, I'm going to reset what I was doing and I'm going to pivot in the moment. And that is what I believe God is calling you to do. You do you really, really good, but be open to when God wants to pivot you. He's not talking about a career change. He's talking about a melding, a a mixing of not only what you do, but who God is and what he wants you to do he's not asking some he might be asking you to leave your career and your job and be like the disciples he's asking you to pivot in the moments when you need to be interrupted so that you can put forth what god has for you you can now produce a harvest for his kingdom right this is what god is saying be willing to be interrupted navigate from one to the other and back again Maybe the Lord would give you. You're like, I'm not articulate. There's no way that I could speak to someone about Jesus or tell somebody about Jesus. I don't know enough of the Bible. God says it's okay because he can give you the words. Maybe it's the power that is released in your kindness. Maybe it is a card. Maybe it's going to coffee with somebody. Maybe it's giving a gift card or one of the things that we're gathering for the group, the Embrace Grace. Maybe it's that. But God is saying, be willing to be interrupted. When you're willing to be interrupted, then it leads us to selfless obedience. And I like to call it obedience without boundaries. Putting no restrictions on God. And obedience is attentive learning, a listening with compliant submission Jesus, the Son of God, listened to the Father with compliant submission. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Anyone, Jesus is saying this, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is not help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want but lose you, the real you, the one that God intended? If you look at the context of that scripture, the disciples had just given up everything. They gave up their reputations, their careers, their income to follow someone they didn't know. They, they knew was the Messiah, but they didn't know what the outcome would be. The disciples knew, though, that in order to follow God, they couldn't stay in the same place. God calls men and women. I'm going to say that again men and women. To take risk. If you look, Noah had a boat full, literally a boat full of animals. What if the water did not come? Abraham was moving to an unknown land. Moses risked his life in the wilderness to free the Israelites and David risked his life with a mad giant and a mad king. Esther risked her life standing up for her people and Ruth risked her future and placed it In the bitter hands of Naomi, Mary risked her entire reputation to birth Jesus, to be his mother. One of my favorite verses is in Esther 4.14. And who knows but that you have come to your royal royal position for such a time as this. You are not here by coincidence. Esther learned how to obey her cousin Mordecai's words. She also learned to follow and obey the social graces of being in the king's court. But the ultimate is that she learned to to follow and obey the voice of her God. And because of that, she saved her people. This selfless obedience ties into selfless love. In John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus spoke these words, He had not yet died. So he wasn't talking about you have to die and be crucified. He's saying you need to deny yourself. Deny your wants, your desires, your will, your emotions. I love that the agape kind of love. It's this self-giving love. It gives freely without asking anything in return. In Mark 8.34, it says, When he called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said, that, said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And that is what Jesus did. Take up your cross, which might be different for every person in this room. What is God asking you? He's saying not to be selfish, but to be selfless. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. This quote from David Wilkerson is powerful. It says A servant has no will of his own, his master's word is his will. The cross represents the death of my plans, my ideas my desires, my hopes, my dreams. And most of all, it means the absolute death of my will. This is true humility. This is what Jesus was trying to model to us. Can we come in under the authority and alignment of God's will for our life? I recently read this story of a woman. You may have heard it. She had a dream. And in this dream was her doing a handstand in the middle of a convenience store. Okay? You can laugh. It's not serious. She's like, I think I just had bad milk or ate something bad or whatever. Well, then she had it the second night, the third night, same dream, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. By this time, I would think for myself, if this was me, I'd be like, something's kind of strange here. Something is not right. Day 45, 45 of the same night, of the same dream. Day 45, she's pumping gas. And she's like, is today the day? Looks around, because she's human. Okay, there's not very many people here. Looks inside the 7-Eleven. Not very many people in there. Okay, today's the day. Puts her thing, pays for the gas, walks inside. Now, God didn't say that it had to be at the front. So she goes all the way to the back, okay? Okay, this is totally me. This would be me. All the way to the back. She gets, I'm not doing a handstand, gets down on the greasy floor. She kicks her legs up. She counts to five. Because she doesn't want to have to do it again. She wants to make sure she has it done. I'm, this is totally me right here. Then she kicks her legs back down. Wipes it off. And she is feeling like, okay, God, I did it. I was obedient. I did it. And she starts to walk out. And as she's walking out, she sees the cashier out of the corner of her eye. She's like, oh, crap. He's crying. He's crying. And the guy's like, did did you just do a handstand in the back of the store? And she's like, (laughs) he goes, 20 minutes ago, I said, God, if you're real, have someone do a handstand in the back of the store. Real story. What is God calling you? What crazy thing is God wanting you to pivot to be interrupted, to change, to not stay where you're at, to say yes, be the best career person that you can be, be the best mom, be the best wife, but also be willing to be interrupted. That man's life will forever be changed because that woman took 45 days. There are so many stories you could quote. She waited 45 for that exact moment. God is telling you something, and you've either ignored it or pushed it aside, and I'm telling you right now, try it. Be obedient. Be selfless. Be okay with being embarrassed because you may have gotten it slightly wrong. It's okay because God has everything under his hand. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just pray right now. I pray for a boldness. I pray for a willingness to be interrupted. God, I pray that this, everybody that hears my voice right now, I pray that from the pit of their stomach, would they know that they have heard from you or Lord, you haven't yet expressed what you have for them. I pray that they would wait and listen to you, that they would pray without words, that they would say and do exactly what your will is for their life, that we would deny what our ex, Expectations are, what our um, hopes and dreams are, because yours are so much better. So Lord, I pray tonight, I pray over every woman in this room and online, I pray that your will would be done. That such a time and a moment as this, you have made us for this season. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.